Hey guys, Pastor Jeff here. Welcome to our brand new teaching series entitled Follow Me. For the next four weeks, we're gonna be looking at a crucial question that I am really excited about addressing. And it's basically this, how do you follow Jesus in a world that doesn't? I mean, I think, look, I think we can all admit, right? That the world we live in right now has got some crazy things going on. So there's a lot of people searching for truth. Well, in this world, man, there is a lot of deception. There's a lot of lies. There's a lot of beliefs. There's a lot of behaviors and different things that people are just getting swayed. They're getting lost in the current of our society and our media and what's going on with our government and all kinds of things. And I want to help you anchor your faith. I want to help you follow Jesus, like thrive following Jesus in a world that doesn't. Because look, Jesus even said it in Matthew chapter 24, verse 24. He said, look, in the last days, there's going to be false teachers that are going to come and they're going to preach, teach, do great things, miraculous wonders and miracles. And they're going to sway or deceive a lot of people. Jesus even said those who are close to God might even be deceived. I don't want to see that happen for your life. I want to see you weather those types of spiritual storms, which by the way, aren't something that's going to come. They're already happening right now. So I want to see your faith thrive. Well, to do that, you have to know who Jesus is. Where is he going? What did he teach, right? What were his principles and how in the world can you follow those? And I wanna help you do that with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, here in week one, to do this, we gotta go all the way back. We gotta go back to day number one. Jesus is walking the beach and he's calling his disciples. You know, like today, if Jesus was gonna call disciples, he'd probably be in a coffee shop just like we're in right now. But it's like the modern day well, it's where people gathered. Even Jesus has stories of being at the well, ministering to people while his disciples were off getting burritos in town, eating lunch. So open up your Bibles, join me in Matthew chapter four, verse 18. One day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come follow me and I'll show you guys how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. Amazing. But look what happens next in verse 21. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And he called them to come as well. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. I mean, really think about it for a moment. Jesus shows up at your workplace and he says, drop everything you're doing, come follow me, right? I'm gonna make you fishers of men. And you walk away. Where does your next paycheck come from, right? How do you pay your mortgage? How do you pay your car payment, right? What are you gonna do about retirement? How are you gonna put food on the table? I mean, these guys left everything. They left their father's business. That was their inheritance. That was their future. That was their security. And they left it all behind to follow Jesus. Well, just a few chapters later in Matthew chapter nine, Jesus was walking down a street just like this, a sidewalk just like this. And he came across Matthew, a tax collector. Now a tax collector back in those days was notorious at ripping people off. They took the taxes from you and me and they pocketed a little bit, made themselves rich, right? And then they went on. Jesus comes by this tax collector's table and he says to him, Matthew, I want you to leave all of that. I want you to leave the wealth that you have. I want you to leave the power that you have. And I want you to come follow me. And guess what Matthew did? 
He did the same thing those four brothers did. He got up from that table and he started following Jesus. Now you might think to yourself, well, that's Jesus. If Jesus was actually here and he said, follow me, man, I would leave everything too. But you do realize that Jesus was calling people to follow him in a world that was anti-Jesus. I mean, we know that later on Jesus hangs on a cross and he dies. We also know that the 12 disciples, based on church history, they end up dying as well. And so, look, it was not a it was not a comfy position to follow Jesus. Well, guess what? That's the same world you and me live in. We live in a world that doesn't want to follow Jesus, doesn't honor the principles of Christ, and is trying to sway you to be just the same, to walk away from your faith. So I want to help you. I want to dive in a little bit deeper, and I want to start really unpacking right here in week one what it really looks like to follow Jesus in a world that doesn't. So let's go on the journey together. guys, look, to follow someone, you have to know where they're going. I mean, that's a profound statement, right? Like we don't often think about that. Like Where they're going really matters because if you're going to follow them, it's going to be your outcome. And is that where you actually want to be? Let me give you an example though. Like when I, when I bought my very first motorcycle, it was a Suzuki Katana GSX. It was like a 600 or a 650 CC motorcycle. It was red. It was a rice rocket. It was, it was fast and furious. And I drove it that way. But on the back of the motorcycle was a little sticker. It said, follow me to the wreck. I mean, that's horrific, right? You know one wants to follow a motorcycle rider to a wreck. Um, but if you would have seen the way I was driving it, you would have gone, that guy's eventually gonna end up in a wreck. So, you know, like knowing who you're following is going to determine where you end up. And in this world, this world's full of like lies, of uh, behaviors and beliefs and organizations. And these organizations, beliefs and behaviors, if you follow them, they're gonna lead you to a spiritual wreck. So the big question we're asking right now is this, like, where is Jesus going? Because if we know where he's going, then we can follow him, right? If you don't know where he's going and what he left you on this earth to do, then you're gonna end up in a destination that you don't wanna end up in. So where is Jesus going? Well, he answered that question in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, where he said this, the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Guys, that's you and me. We were all lost at some point. We were all in need of Jesus saving us by his wonderful grace. And that's why Ephesians chapter five, verse eight is so important that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's the evidence that God loved you and me in our lost state so much that he was willing to send his very best, Jesus, right? I mean, if and so that's the mission of Jesus. And I think Luke chapter 15 is probably one of the best places we can go to to really grasp and understand what this principle of Jesus mission was really all about. Because in Luke 15, there's three things that were lost. Those three things were so important that they searched for them, they found them, and then they celebrated all of them. I mean, it's a powerful thing. So I think that like, look, if Jesus was right here, right now, teaching this message, he would say this, there was a man who hit a drive and it went into the woods and it was lost. And he called all of his golfing partners to come and look for it. And then they found it. And when they found it, they went back to the clubhouse and they celebrated the lost golf ball. I mean, that's how Jesus would teach it today. But how did he teach it in Luke chapter 15? Let's go and let's discuss that right now. 
All right, guys, look, let's go to Luke chapter 15, because I really want to talk to you about this parable that Jesus told about something that was lost, that was so important that it demanded a search, and that when they found it, it was so important that they celebrated it. But really, what I want to do first is say this, like, why did Jesus even have to tell this incredible parable? And it's all found in the first two verses of Luke chapter 15. So take a look at it with me. It says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. I mean, can you hear the disdain in the voice of the religious people? They were like, what? He's hanging out with notorious sinners. I mean, these are people that we know without a shadow of a doubt. They don't follow the laws of Judaism and that Jesus hangs out with them. But not just that. He was found eating with them. How disgusting. Like, can you hear him? Like, so look, here's the question I really want you to ask yourself. And I want you to be serious about this. Do, do sinners and lost people coming into church, does that frustrate you? Does it annoy you? Like, does it get underneath your skin? And what about the mission of new life? Our, our cause is to see people find Jesus. That means people that are far from him, like notorious sinners. Our whole mission, the reason why we gather together is to see lost people find Jesus and to see their life change along with your life. But if it frustrates you that new life is like focused on lost people coming to know Jesus, then look, let's just be open and honest. You're, you're more associating yourself with the religious leaders. I, that's, that's opposite of the mission that Jesus called us to. And so this teaching that Jesus is going to give us is speaking directly to you. But it's also a great reminder for the rest of his church. Why are we here? What are we on earth to do? And so Jesus goes on in verse three to give us one of the examples of the lost sheep. I want you to listen to what he says. So in verse three, so Jesus told them the story that if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. And when he arrives, he'll call together his friends and his neighbors saying, hey guys, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. And in the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Look, let's take the next few moments and let's discuss this. All right, the first thing that this passage of scripture tells us is that Jesus has a mission. And remember what the mission was. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so all of Luke 15 is driving home that mission. But then Jesus also goes in these verses we read to expose his heart for the lost. Like how much does Jesus actually love that which is lost? And, and here's what we find. He loves them enough that he goes and seeks after them. He doesn't just stay stoically, right? in heaven, he goes and searches after them. And then when he finds them, he doesn't just manipulate them and control them, no. Basically, if they want to follow him, then here's what he says he does. He lifts them up and he puts them on his shoulders. Look at the love of Christ for the lost. Consider the compassion that God has for the lost. And then in verse five, it even says that he has incredible joy, amazing joy to pick them up and to carry them back. And then when he brings them back, well, we, we heard what he does. He celebrates with all of heaven. That which is lost has been found. I just love this about Jesus. 
And it is so important, guys, that he goes on. He goes, look, I told you about the sheep. I'm going to tell you the same principle about a coin. I'm going to tell you the same principle about a father who lost a son to the world. And, and look, here's what's so cool about this. There's nowhere else in all the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus ever tells three principle or three examples to drive home one principle. There's nowhere else where he gives these three examples. So how important is Luke chapter 15? It seems like Jesus is trying to tell us by his teaching, this is one of the most important teachings he has ever given. If you don't get this, then you just don't get the gospel. And so what I love about him is that he says, look, there's a lost coin, okay? Um, if you don't like sheep and you and sheep like disgust you and they make you sneeze and you don't like the smell of them, maybe you like money. So what if you lost a coin? What would you do? Would you go search for it? I mean, a coin was like worth a week's wages. Would you search for it? And if you found it, would you celebrate? Yeah. And then he goes, look, if money's not your thing, maybe family's your thing. And so then he goes, hey, look, this father who lost this son to the world, um, his heart was still for the son. And when the son returned back to him, they celebrated that which was lost. I just love this about Jesus. And, and, and you know what I know about Christ is this. He's not just telling us about his heart, but in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he invites us into the journey. He says to us, go into the world, preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And I'll be with you even to the end. So we get invited into this mission. We're not innocent bystanders. That means we don't just get to go to church, sing our songs, read our Bible. No, we're supposed to be in the game, seeking and saving that which is lost, just like Jesus did. And so if, you're, if you live in this world and you call yourself a Christ follower, this world is a world that doesn't really want to follow God. But we don't get a cop out. Jesus asks us to lean in and go in on the mission. And so this is authentic Christianity. Anything else is a fake. Real Christianity is loving that which is lost enough that you would search after it. And when you find it, you celebrate it. But it's not, it's not just those things. There's an urgency about this. It's like, this is what Jesus came to do. And when he ministered, he, he only ministered for three and a half years of public ministry. And he got busy about seeking and saving the lost. So we have this one short life on this earth. And the Bible says it's like a vapor. It's here one day and it's gone the next. All right, guys, nobody gets urgency like a fireman gets urgency. I mean, when those guys get the call that there's a fire in our community, what do they do? They don't dilly dally around. I mean, they rush towards it. They actually race towards the fire. And when they get to the fire, right, what do they do? They assess the fire. They determine whether someone's in there or not. And then they figure out how they're going to rush in and they're going to save lives. Well, recently in Raleigh, North Carolina, there was a couple of firemen that saved some people out of a burning apartment building. You've got to hear about their urgency, how they rushed in to save lives. Check out this story. Ask any firefighters. They don't want to be called heroes, but today these firefighters got the rare opportunity to meet the people whose lives they saved. Sandra Kelly and her husband, Andres Soto, who speaks Spanish, can't always express themselves clearly in English. But when it comes to thankfulness, there is no language barrier. I say thank you. Thank you to everybody. The couple was trapped in the bathroom of their second-story apartment in Raleigh two weeks ago as flames tore through their building. They called 911. They prepared to die. I heard them knocking on the door and calling out for help, and that was a huge relief, just knowing that they were still alive and talking. 
Dylan Short, a two-year veteran of the Raleigh Fire Department, made the first rescue of his career. Whew, I feel something. I say thank you, God. The couple wanted to meet the crew. They're angels, as they refer to them. I'm, I'm glad to see you guys standing here today. That's living proof right there that everything that we do day in, day out is for a reason. It's scary sometimes, but, you know, you fight through it. I've been 22 years doing this, and uh, to have moments like this just make it all worthwhile. Does that kind of validate what you do for a living in a way? Absolutely. This is that's what we all signed up to do. That was an inspiring, incredible story. But guys, you and me, we're just like those firemen. Like we're spiritual firemen and this world's on fire with its beliefs and its behaviors and its causes that are anti-God and anti-God's word. And we're called to go into those fires and rescue people because if not, then it's gonna lead them to spiritual death and eternal separation from God. So God's called you and me to be true followers of him in a world that doesn't and go into the fire, rescue the one more lost sheep one more lost coin, the one more lost son. That's what a true follower of Jesus does. We follow where Jesus is leading and we rush into the fire to rescue people. So may it be said about you, may it be said about me, may it be said about us that we make it to heaven with our clothes smelling like the flames of hell, not because of our lifestyle, but because of our mission to go and to seek and save that which is lost. All right, in light of what we heard today, like what's our next step? I mean, that should be the question we're all asking, right? Like, how do I apply this to my life? Well, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, that's where it starts. And here at New Life Church, we like to say this, it's time to surrender your life to Jesus, to invite him to be the Lord and the leader. Because we want everybody that's hearing this message to be a part of the 99 that are found. You remember when Jesus was talking about the, he goes after the one sheep, but he leads the 99. Well, you and me are part of the 99. We're part of the found. But as the 99, we don't just get to sit around church and just be comfortable, right? We're commissioned to go into the mission. That's why it's so important that those who call themselves Christ followers are a part of the mission to do what? The mission that Jesus led us to do. Like we're following him, he's our leader, right? That's what it meant to follow Jesus, to do what he was doing, to go where he was going. And he was seeking and saving those who are lost. So here's how it all starts. It starts by you asking God, God, would you give me a passion for the lost? Here's one of the things I've learned over the course of time in ministry, that when your heart breaks for the same things that God, God's heart breaks for, then you naturally start doing the things that God wants you to do. And one thing I know about God is that God's heart breaks for the lost. So when your heart breaks for the lost, you will naturally start wanting to see other people come into a life transforming relationship with Jesus. So in light of that, I want you to start praying. Start asking God, God, Will you show me when you're providing opportunities for me? In fact, God, would you give me opportunities to share the love of your son, Jesus Christ, with this world? And then I want you to start asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me to be more sensitive. Like, I don't want to miss any of those moments that God is giving me. But if you don't sense any of those moments here, what I want you to do is I just want you to simply start inviting people to come to church with you. Right, because look, if we get too pushy with our faith, we could be pushing people away. 
So it's one thing to be passionate, it's another thing to be pushy, right? So let's be passionate. So if you don't really sense the big open door, maybe just invite a person to come and worship with you. And look, you'll love people better if you really follow the example that Jesus gave us. So here's how you do that. You get into your Bible and you start reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And as you start reading what we call the Gospels, then I want you to start looking for who is Jesus? Like, why did he say what he said? Like, why does he love people the way he loves them? Why does he challenge them the way he challenges them? Because the more you get to know the example of Jesus, the more likely you are to follow his example. But lastly, I need you to hear me loud and clear on this. It's a warning, okay? Be careful, because the longer that you follow Jesus, then it's, it's one of these things that kind of pulls you in and you become kind of isolated around church and church people. Be careful about that because if you get isolated just around church and church people, then you're out of the game. Like you're out of the opportunity to start sharing the love of Jesus with that and with those who are lost. So here's what you got to really do. Like you got to do the same thing Jesus did. Jesus said that, look, he was hanging out with, he was eating with, and he was teaching notorious sinners. Now he wasn't condoning their actions and he wasn't necessarily taking a part of their actions either. But those people knew that Jesus loved them enough that they wanted to sit and listen to his teaching. See, that's your role and that's my role. To be in this world, but not of this world. To be in this world and to love this world right where it is. To love a world that doesn't want to follow Jesus and to help help lead them right into a life transforming relationship with Jesus. So I want to see that happen for your life. So would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you that Here in this week, we've been challenged with where is your son going? He's going to seek and save the lost. May we be the very same people. Lord, help us to apply these real simple, practical things into our lives. Maybe we need to be reading your word so that we can get to know your son, Jesus Christ, a little bit more. Maybe we need to be praying and inviting you to lead us into the game and give us opportunities to share the love of Jesus with others. Maybe we need to say, Holy Spirit, make us more sensitive to your ways. But Lord, I know this, for every single person hearing this message, all of us could use an extra dose of you breaking our heart and giving us a passion for the lost. Lord, that's your heart. You desire that none would perish, but that all would come into an everlasting, transformative relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, would you break our hearts for the things that breaks your heart? Would you break our hearts for the lost? And Lord, would you send us out, Lord, not just to be comfortable, but would you send us out to be a part of the mission, to seek and save the lost, to continue the mission you put us on this earth to do. In Jesus' name, amen.